today we're going to focus on something that really all of us can relate to um, today. So last week we finished uh, our teaching series where we talked about one of my favorite books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But I was thinking this week about our new series, and it made me think of another book that I read when I was a kid, or my mom read to me, and that is the book The Long Winter by Laura Ingalls Wilder. So um, you might recognize her name. She wrote um, a, a series of books, memoirs from her childhood, and it was made into a very popular show called Little House on the Prairie in the 80s, which I'm showing my my age there, but maybe some of you watched the reruns of that when you were growing up. But uh, the book, The Long Winter, just talks about um, Laura as a little girl and her family growing up in the Dakota Territory in 18, the winter of 1880-1881. And so as a kid, what I remember is that everything about winter was different from them from the other times in the year. So basically, the rest of the year, they worked to um, save enough firewood and food so that they could basically just stay inside all winter long, um, you know, close to the fire, reading books and playing games. That's kind of like my memory as a kid. And I certainly do not want to replicate that experience myself personally, um, but it did make me think of how different it is for us and our experience of winter is largely that we do the same things we do the rest of the year, right? The same expectations of life are on us. Um, and I think that's especially true in New York City that just has a hard time slowing down, whether it's because it's winter or a pandemic. Um, things don't tend to change for us. Um, we still kind of have the same expectations of life. And so that's why we are talking about our series today. Um, the new series that we are called Wintering, because winter is this necessary season in nature where plants and animals, they experience life differently um, as a way to kind of prepare for whatever comes next, um, the next season they are going to experience. So animals, they hibernate. Um, I, I didn't realize that groundhogs and besides bears, groundhogs and um, hedgehogs and even skunks. I didn't know that skunks hibernate. Um, they go into, you know, whether it's a tree or in the ground, there's all these animals that sleep more and rest for the next season. And then of course, trees and plants, they lose their leaves, they lose their flowers um, as this natural way to help them prepare for growth again when spring comes and it warms up and there's more sunlight outside. And so, you know, it's just this natural rhythm that we see in nature that during winter change happens in your life to prepare for what comes next. And I believe that winter can also hold for us some of those same life giving practices that help us prepare for whatever comes next for us in our season of life. And so what we're going to talk about um, during this season, during this teaching series is slowing down the value of slowing down of going inside, not just into our homes, but really inside ourselves in our connection with God and um, in our time with him. So I know that for many people, the winter can be a really hard season, a season that um, there's a lot of sadness, um, maybe even depression that accompanies 
the winter um, because of the lack of sunlight, the lack of leaves on the tree, maybe even lack of interaction with other people. And I want to say that this teaching series isn't about shaming you into having a better opinion or feelings about the winter. Um, it isn't a series that's going to give you a list of things to do so that you won't have those emotions. Um, in fact, my hope is that during the series, it's a way that kind of allows all of us um, permission to use the difficult seasons in our lives and, and just acknowledge that all of us will have different seasons in our lives that are difficult and to use those seasons as a way in our lives to rest and to connect to God and more importantly, to connect to his unconditional love for us. So my idea for this series came when I was um, reading this uh, book review. I did not read the book, I will say that. Um, but a book review on a, a book that was called Wintering. Um, it was written by Catherine May. And I was interested in the subtitle. So the subtitle of the book is this, The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times. The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times. I think what struck me about that title is the word power because our society doesn't really connect power and rest together. In fact, um, use the phrase she powered through or he powered through something. It doesn't usually mean he, he rested through that, right? <laughs> what we mean is he worked really, really hard through it. That's what powering through means um, in our society because that's what we value. That's what we see as powerful. But scripture really gives us a different message. In fact, there's a passage in the Old Testament book, Ecclesiastes um, from Hebrew scripture that teaches about seasons in life. The idea that seasons come into our lives and season go, seasons go, and that our life should kind of look different in those different seasons. So you might recognize, I'm going to read a passage from um, Ecclesiastes chapter three. It's probably the most um, recognizable passage from Ecclesiastes. In fact, it was used for a popular song in the 60s. But I'm going to read for that um, through that right now. It's Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one. We have slides for that. So there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. 
So first of all, that is a passage that is clearly poetry. Um, and actually the whole chap, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is written in poetry. And the whole idea of this passage is that there are different seasons in our lives where we behave and act differently based on our circumstances. And perhaps one of the most frustrating things for me um, during the pandemic is that largely expectations on people haven't changed because of this very different season that we are in life. And so, you know, the expectations that children will learn the same, that they will hit the same benchmarks mm -hmm. at school and that teachers will be able to do that. That's an expectation, um, even though things are very, very different. And expectations that your work hours will be as productive, um, even though you've had to totally change the way you work. Um, expectation on our healthcare workers that they've gone through such traumatic experience and yet still that they will be able day after day after day still be able to save lives. And the list goes on and on of all the expectations that we have on one another that um, aren't necessarily reason reasonable in this season that we are in. The truth is we are in a different season. It won't last forever, but um, I believe that now is a season, a time for us to stop some things, to give up some things, to throw away some things in our lives and to rest, to mend, to heal and to restore. And so this passage comes in the middle of a, a challenging book to read. I really recommend you do read this book, the book of Ecclesiastes. It um, will probably take you an hour to read. Um, it's poetry. I, I think it's best read in one sitting um, to kind of understand it well. It's a part of what is considered wisdom literature in the Old Testament. So uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon are both are all three wisdom literature that are traditionally um, believed that King Solomon wrote these books. And um, King Solomon is, is, of course, King David's son. But there is one word that is repeated throughout this entire book of Ecclesiastes over and over again, and it's the Hebrew word hevel. Um, and so it's translated in English as in most English translations as the word meaningless. Um, and I noticed that in Spanish, it was translated as, um, I think the Spanish translation for absurd. So those are kind of different meanings, meaningless and absurd. Um, so let me help explain that a little bit. So the literal translation of that word Hevel, uh, Hebrew word, is smoke or vapor. So what is helpful to imagine is in your mind, kind of imagine a, a cloud of smoke or a cloud of vapor. And then try to imagine trying to grasp that cloud and make it do what you want it to do. That's what the author of this book is trying to get at, but that would be absurd. That would be meaningless. You can't do that. It, it's futile because you can't make smoke do what you want it to do. And the teacher of this, um, this book is from the perspective of it's the voice of a teacher. We don't know the name of the teacher, but it's from the voice of a teacher. He's looking through life and kind of reflecting on it and saying that our pursuit as humans to make life do what we want it to do is 
hevel. It's um, vapor. It's absurd. We can't make it work that way. It's meaningless. And you will hear this phrase over and over again. Doing that is like chasing after the wind. So let me just give you an example at the beginning of Ecclesiastes. Um, in English, it says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything utter is utterly meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. So this um, teacher, he here he's reflecting on life, it seems a little bit cynical, um, maybe even slightly depressing, but he's looking at life and what he's saying is life is like a vapor and it is, un it is completely unpredictable. We can't predict how life will happen. And so he goes through the different ways that all of us try to make life a little bit predictable for ourselves. And so one thing that the teacher talks about is we try to do it with our achievements. So we make a list of all the things we want to achieve. And maybe if we achieve these things, then our life will be predictable. And uh, the teacher says, yes, I've tried that. That doesn't work. You can do that, um, but still life will come at you in a different way. Things will change. You can't make life predictable, even through your achievements. And then it, it talks about pleasures that many people will say, well, I can't make Life isn't predictable, but I can sure have fun while I do it. And so they focus on the weekends and their vacations, right? And focus on that and says, nope, even with that, life is meaningless because still you always will have to return on Monday eventually to work, right? Um, and still even our vacations and our weekends, life happens to those as well. And, you know, just in my experience, you can still run out of gas. You can still, your tire can still be flat. You can still have car troubles. That's just in the last, you know, six months. Has that happened to us on vacations? You know, our dreams never really turn out exactly um, what happens on the weekends or vacation. And so, you know, you shouldn't just focus on that and realize you can't control even pleasure in our lives. And then the teacher talks about, well, maybe a pursuit of knowledge and wisdom. This is a teacher. This is what, you know, they do. And he says, I've tried that and that doesn't work. There are some questions you will never be able to answer in life. And it gives examples like, why do the wicked prosper and good people suffer? Why do people who do the right things still have to suffer while people who make poor choices live in comfort. And so he kind of ends that uh, section of saying, you know, with much wisdom also comes sorrow, more knowledge, more grief. You know, that's a teacher talking about that. Um, I don't suggest teachers maybe starting out every uh, lesson with that, like, you know, more knowledge, more grief. It doesn't really encourage people to learn. But, uh, but I will say that this teacher is, he kind of, it kind of gets a little bit darker then. He talks about um, all these pursuits. The fact is all of us are going to die. Um, and I know that we all know that, that no matter our pursuits, our achievements, our knowledge, our wealth, that life is temporary. We all know that. 
but we kind of try to distract ourselves from that in so many different ways. So why is this book included um, in scripture? You know, why is it helpful for us? Uh, why is it considered wisdom? Because we all know that this is true, that life is unpredictable. And if we didn't know it before uh, the year 2020, we certainly were reminded of that. I, I don't know if you saw the video of um, a woman sharing her 2020 New Year's resolutions. Um, she made a list in her journal and she kind of looked at it again in December and she's reading through it and she's just laughing um, hysterically because the first thing on her list was to make more money. She lost her job in March. Um, the second thing on the list was to travel more. And for, for most of us, maybe not Marga and Alberto, but most of us are not, <laughs> just kidding, haven't traveled as much um, in this year. It's definitely harder to travel. Uh, next thing on the list was to be more social. Maybe not the best year to have that on your list of things to do. She said, lose weight. Didn't happen this year. Um, some people <laughs> that did, most not so much. Another thing on it, she said to cry less. Um, that has, I don't suggest that as a resolution, um, but it definitely didn't happen for this woman. Uh, she said she thinks she cried every single day of 2020. And then it's kind of sad, but she was laughing at this point that the last thing on her list was to spend more time with grandma and her grandmother had passed away during this year. So it just kind of shows that we can all have hopes for a year, plans for a year, but the truth is life is unpredictable. So we know that that's true. And, you know, Ecclesiastes makes it really, really clear to us. But what it also talks about, and it kind of does this cycle where it says life is unpredictable. Death is coming. So enjoy life. And it does this over and over again. And, you know, I don't say this, especially to people who are, who are really struggling now to just be like, well, the Bible says to enjoy life, you know, that that isn't helpful. Um, but I think what the message of this book is saying is that we should recognize that life is temporary. And so to stri strive to stay present in the season that we are in and find, find the joys that we can in that season. And so the suggestions that this book makes is, um, is enjoy the food you have. Find joy in the food you eat. Find joy in the people that you can spend this season with. And I was just thinking about how, um, when I look back on this year, a lot of this time wasn't spent around a table like it normally is for me. You know, memories of all the different, having people over to my house like I normally do. But I remember, you know, sitting my computer at our table and having dinner with people who are sitting their computer at their table. And that was a joyful thing, a, a moment where we could really appreciate what we did have. And so that is kind of the message of this, this book, that whatever season you are in, to strive to find pleasure and joy in the in the time that you have. Why? Because God loves you and wants you to find delight in this world. So I want to read um, a section of, of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. 
um, starting in verse seven. So it says, light is sweet and it pleases the eye to see the sun. So just think about this for a moment. Light is sweet and it pleases the eye to see the sun. Think about the winter. And here where we are, maybe not Daniela, where she is in uh, Columbia, but, um, and maybe not in Houston, but here in New York, uh, the sun is kind of rare in the winter. And so um, when we get a chance to see it, it brings delight, right? And we, we should take that in and, and be present in that time because it doesn't always happen. Uh, Delali, if you want to go to the next part, it says, How, however many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is vapor. So this idea that however many years, we, we it's no guarantee for any of us how many years we have, but to strive to enjoy the days that we do have, remembering that there are days of darkness. So when we have days of light, we find joy and pre are present in those, knowing that that isn't always the way it is, that there will be seasons for all of us that are more of a struggle. And then it goes on and gives an example of seasons that are don't last forever. It says, you who are young, be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the way of your heart and whatever you, your eye sees, but know that for all these things, God will give, bring you into judgment. So this, is, this idea is like, when you are young, you won't be young forever, but live like you are young, where you try new things. You enjoy different things because you're young. Your body can do different things. Your lifestyle, you can do different things when you're young. And it's saying, you know, don't live as if other people don't matter. Live selfishly in a way that doesn't please God. That's kind of what it's talking about there. But do live in a way that recognizes you are in a stage, a different season of being young. And all of our stages in life hold different blessings where we live differently and enjoy what we have in that time, in that moment. So I just want to say we're in the season of winter and I believe that there is real power in rest and retreat. Acknowledging the season that you're in and appreciating what you have in that season and acknowledging that there are some things you can't have in that season. And right now, one of those is, is certainty. Um, you know, we can't predict even the next month what is going to happen for us largely. Um, but there are still many, many things that we can enjoy in this season right now in our lives. So I hope that is a helpful word for you. I know for me, um, I have become very weary of the unpredictability of life. And um, it has caused me to be very weary. And I think when many of us, when we deal with that kind of unpredictability of life, what we do is we throw ourselves into different things. And um, I think a lot of times Americans and New Yorkers, we throw ourselves into kind of earning our security 
we work harder um, and it just makes us feel better to like really work more. And I found myself um, self-talking to my, thinking to myself and talking to myself the week before or the week in between Christmas and New Year's. So for many people, um, my family kind of has the privilege of that week kind of slows down. It looks different. You know, we, um, Larry and I work less, um, like a lot of this year, maybe didn't shower as much, didn't change out of our pajamas and our joggers and stuff. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know you all are the same way. Um, <laughs> and, but I found myself kind of thinking, um, I didn't do enough today to earn this, to earn this um, joy, this, uh, my family, all the blessings I have. I didn't do enough today to earn it. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think it's something in this culture when we're taught, you know, do more, do more, don't stop, that it's hard for us. And we think maybe we don't deserve rest. And it made me think of a video that I watched uh, a couple weeks before of a, um, a pastor, a female pastor who was talking about her experience with really severe depression. And it was so severe that she actually couldn't get out of bed for months. Um, pretty severe. It took, you know, um, medication and, and um, psychiatrist help for her to get back um, and in a long road for her to get back to be restored to health. But in those moments when she was just in her bed, she said what she learned from that was she could clearly hear God's voice just saying to her over and over again, I love you. I love you. And she kept kind of arguing with God and saying, but I'm not doing anything. I'm not giving any value here. I'm not a wife, I'm not a mother, I'm not a pastor, I'm not doing anything. Just kept saying, I love you, I love you. And she started to believe him that his love was not tied at all to her production of what she was doing, that she was worthy of his love if all she could do was stay in that bed. And I think ultimately that is what the message of Ecclesiastes is, is that we can try to earn um, the blessings that God gives us, but God doesn't want us to feel that way, that ultimately that isn't where his love comes from, that he loves us no matter what and wants us to enjoy, to delight, to enjoy the season we are in. And so, you know, Ecclesiastes says that life is unpredictable, but God's love is not. And that this life is temporary, but God's love is not. And so for us, this winter, I want to just encourage us all to enjoy the season, to give ourselves permission to rest, to retreat, to restore, um, and to really find delight this winter. 
because God loves us unconditionally. Let's pray. God, I know um, I am not alone in just feeling very weary of all the ups and downs that life is throwing at us. And so in that, it's really hard to stop and just be present and, and remember what makes us smile. But I pray, God, that we would truly believe you when you say, I love you. And that that would give us permission to rest, to um, take time to heal, to take care of ourselves, to enjoy our family, to enjoy the stage we are in and really connect with you, Lord. We thank you for um, scripture that challenges us, but also um, encourages us. I pray that we would um, just hear from you, be reminded with your voice that you love us throughout this week and that it's okay to just sit, rest, be in nature, take walks, um, enjoy really the delights that you have given us. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. So we're going to break up into groups again. Um, we haven't done this for a little while. We're going to kind of just catch up with one another and maybe discuss a few questions from the teaching today. So um, Delali's going to break us up into groups and we'll be gather back together in a half an hour for um, Lord's Supper together.